listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. A reminder to join us again today at 2 p.m. for another special edition of Detroit Today, where we're going to welcome some physicians to the studio to answer your questions, your medical questions, about the coronavirus pandemic. Today, we are going to talk with an ER doctor who is going to give us a real look at what things are like in one of the local ERs here in Southeast Michigan, uh, the stories about loss and pain and real tragedy uh, that are unfolding every day are just mind-blowing. And this doctor uh, has been sort of in a front row seat for much of it. She'll share those stories with us, but also be there to answer your questions about what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, what you should be doing if you're starting to feel symptoms that you think might be related to the coronavirus, or if you are with somebody who is uh, who is having a, a real issue. So again, 2 p.m. today, right here on 101.9 WDET, a special edition of Detroit Today, again, to answer all of your medical questions. Up next, more than a third of all COVID-19 cases here in Michigan are among African Americans. And that is despite the fact that the black population here accounts for less than 14%. Why is this happening? And is the state doing the right things to get information to black communities about how to deal with the pandemic? That's where we want to continue the conversation today and joining us to talk more about the racial dimension of this pandemic is Greg Bowens. He's a political and communications consultant. He wrote a piece in Deadline Detroit yesterday that was titled, Poor Coronavirus Messaging in Black Community Proves Deadly. Greg, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, you just heard the governor talk a little bit about this issue. She said poverty is a pre-existing condition and that because poverty is one of the things that's very prevalent among the African-American community, that is why we are seeing the numbers uh, that, that we are. The state just started reporting coronavirus infection rates and death rates according to racial demographics. Uh, your piece takes a look at a slightly different part of this issue and talks about how we communicated the urgency to act on an individual basis uh, to people who live here in the state. Give us a, a thumbnail of what you're arguing in your piece. Well, I, I, you know, I can appreciate the job that the governor is doing, Stephen, and, uh, and can understand the difficulty having worked for a mayor myself and during emergency situations. And I'm particularly encouraged by, you know, she says she talks about health conditions being caused by poverty as opposed to ascribing it as a function of race. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a step in the in the right direction, because uh, it's really an indictment on the disparities in the healthcare system across racial lines. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to sort of square that in the public mindset when we have our politicians and health health officials constantly beat that drum, however, because the people that we've seen die in Detroit, you know, the prominent folks are people who are not poor, you know, they're cops, mm -hmm. they're, they're business owners, they're people that we know, and they don't have an issue in relationship to, you know, to poverty per se. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is strong evidence as to how we have failed 
you know, the black community and communicating directly about the seriousness of this disease. You know, you don't have a bunch of, uh, of, of police officers congregating together because, you know, because of an issue with poverty or people ballroom dancing because of an issue with poverty. All these things have been out there. And so I think they need to take a, 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 a harder look. Dr. J that works for the governor could be on every station in commercials playing on urban radio hmm. like your mother you know, or your grandmother or whatever, your favorite aunt, giving you advice, telling folks that, hey, this is serious and there's enough money to do it. Henry Ford is spending a ton of money out there. You know, Blue Cross Blue Shield is spending a ton of money advertising on TV. They need to shift those funds away from what they're doing uh, in terms of, you know, we're providing this great, you know, free whatever for Blue Cross Blue Shield patients Mm -hmm. and redirect that money to advertising on urban radio featuring prominent African-Americans that we know. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing they can do. The other thing that they can do, Stephen, is everybody has a cell phone. And we get random texts from T-Mobile and Sprint Mm -hmm. and all this stuff about some deal that they have going on or do you like our service. The governor has the power to reach out to these cell phone carriers and say, hey, I need you to put a public service message on here about stay inside, wash your hands, whatever it is that they're going to say, right? Because that will reach people. So the messaging in and of itself can be unique, uh, uniquely tailored to African-American taste and and style and stuff like that uh, further. Um, But at at the very least, these mass media uh, attempts and outlets should be happening, and they just aren't. Hmm. And that's why people haven't been getting the message. Uh, you know, I, I'm someone who, of course, lives in the city and works in the city. And so I've still been driving through the city, getting to work each morning here to the studios. And I, I have to say, I have been surprised by some of the things that you see when you drive through neighborhoods in the city. Some of the activity that's still going on that you you look and you think, well, that's just not a it's just not a good idea. Uh, at the same time, it's people doing things in in many cases that that they need to do. You know, people still need to get to work. In some cases, people need to get to places where they can get food or 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 medicine. But when you drive past a bus stop, for instance, and see eight or ten people there, and they're all kind of bunched up the same way they would be. In normal times, you you think, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But again, to your point, this idea of communicating the seriousness of what's going on and communicating the message about what people should be doing, it I, I think it's really clear when you are, are out and about in the city just how badly that message uh, is is failing right now. Yeah, I, I, I can totally understand that. And I want to be careful here not to uh, racialize behavior as black behavior. Sure. You know, because that's just simply uh, expressing a racist idea. I mean, individual stories are individual stories, and they're not unique to black folks per se. Because if you look at the numbers, Stephen, Harper Woods has been devastated by this. We've got Southfield has been devastated by this. I mean, just because you're black, and once you cross Eight Mile or Alta Road or whatever, does not mean that those that that those challenges disappear. Mm-hmm. And so, what's unique about this situation is that black folks in communities 
all over the place where they're clustered are, are, are seeing these higher rates. And that's even more evidence that the message is not getting out. You know, so what, what, you're, what we're witnessing in Detroit is the same things that we're witnessing in other places. And I guarantee you, man, once this hits poor communities up there in Cadillac and these other places around the state that you and I have been to and know, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same result. You know, people are not getting the message. And so is it, is it more of a function of it's just we know how to sell liquor. We know how to sell tennis shoes. We know how to market to different segments of, you know, the population, whether you're black or you're white or you're um, Arabic, Chaldean or Hispanic, whatever it is, we know how to do that. And that same kind of effort that folks put in to turn out people for elections needs to be done here. Mm-hmm. And it's just not. <clears throat> um, I don't know who's in charge of, you know, communicating statewide relation in relationship to this. But and certainly on the federal government level, you know, it doesn't seem like that anybody's in charge of handling the communications and providing guidance to states, which can then provide guidance all the way down. But uh, we really need to get a handle on this and start targeting our messaging. It's just, you know, I've given a couple of examples already of some of the things that could be done. And, you know, if you let the creative folks really get at it, um, then you can create some 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 catchy tunes and some snazzy ways to reach people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Stephen, you know, things that are endemic to poverty, like folks don't have bank accounts, so they use more cash. Mm-hmm. Well, cash is dirty, man. <laughs> right now, <laughs> you know? it is right. Yeah, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, it's dirty on a regular day. Sure. sure. <laughs> you know? But uh, but now, it, it, you know, being able telling people to be careful about how they can't handle cash, for example could be an important thing. Um, I spray down my cash with Lysol, by the way, and wash my hands um, uh, whenever I get some. The, the other thing is, is that we need to start addressing these health care policies that are creating uh, a di- disparate, uneven impacts on people. For those that are not able to be able to get the kind of health care they need, having a primary care doctor, and just simply, quite honestly, being able to buy cold medicine, which is expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you and I can get tested today, and if they say, oh, well, you just, you know, you don't, your symptoms aren't serious enough, go home. Well, you're still going to need medication. You're still going to need medicine to try and try and get through this. So, I mean, you know, if we could have mobile vans that, uh, that turned into testing sites, if we had uh, the ability to give people free medication, uh, to address this issue and allow for them to stay in the house and not have to go out and, and, and buy stuff and scrounge around for aspirin and the Tylenol and cold medicine and all that stuff, that would be helpful. You know, clearly now the CDC is changing its recommendation on masks and saying, you know, folks need to wear a mask well, or make a mask. You know, we need to get that message out there. And to the extent that we can give people bandanas, uh, uh, help people make masks. We need to be doing that kind of thing. And the other thing is, is that we really need to be involving the black business community. I mean, that is really important, whether, whether it's Detroit or Southfield or Muskegon or Saginaw, whatever it is, you know, we really need to be reaching out to black folks, black business owners and telling them about the seriousness of it and helping them communicate this to everybody else. And finally, you know, we sort of missed this boat because we were worrying about struggling as to infringing on the rights of people to gather on Sundays. 
but the outreach to the religious community should have been done and should still be done right now. Everybody should be preaching from the pulpit online and sending messages to their congregations via email and all that stuff about the seriousness of this and to stay home. And then the other part is, is that when we see people congregating and behaving in certain ways, we need to take responsibility for each other and, and say something, yeah. you know, to yeah. folks like, Hey man, get back. <laughs> or, you know, you guys are out here in the park and you're doing this thing. You could get sick. You know, you need to be careful about this, blah, blah, blah. We know how to talk to each other. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And we're not, we, there's no, we're not scared of each other. And we need to, um, to, to, to really start aggressively looking out for each other from that perspective. I know, you know, every city, every political organization has the email to community groups, block clubs, people that they organize. We need to be reaching out to those people vis-a-vis, you know, phone, safe distance and all that stuff so that they can reach out to their people and say, you know, hey, you need to take this seriously. And here's what you can do. Here's how you can empower, you know, folks to uh, to stay safe and to keep other people safe. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. No, no, I absolutely do. Uh, my guest is Greg Bowens. He's a political and communications consultant who wrote a piece in Deadline Detroit yesterday titled Poor Coronavirus Messaging in Black Community Proves Deadly. We're talking about the disparities that we're starting to learn more about in terms of how the coronavirus is affecting the population here in the state of Michigan. The state is now releasing data with uh, racial demographics accompanying it. It shows that 35 percent of the cases of coronavirus are found in the African-American community, even though African-Americans only make up 14 percent of the population here in the state of Michigan. Uh, the numbers get worse when you talk about death rate. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and let us know what you think about the way public officials have been communicating the dangers of COVID-19 and telling us about how we should be protecting ourselves. We especially want to hear from you if you're a person of color here in Southeast Michigan. Do you feel like that message is getting through, not just to you, but to other people in your community, to your neighbors, to your family? Do you see people still doing things that they shouldn't be doing because, well, it is deadly dangerous at this point? And do you wonder whether they're all getting the same messages uh, that most of us now have to stay home and stay safe. As always, the number here on the program is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Kay in Gross Eel. Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm concerned that there are 12 Indian reservations in the state of Michigan. There has been no mention at all of what is happening on the reservations. Mm. There are also a huge uh, 60,000 Native people, primarily in southwest Detroit, Lincoln mm-hmm. Park, mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, and Wyandotte, Ecorse. No mention at all of Native people and the effects this has. There has never been any population in this country that has been more affected by uh, disease like smallpox and flu epidemics than Native communities. And I think there needs to be some awareness in our state of these people. Yeah, Kay, I really appreciate 
the call and you you raising that issue, Greg. That gets to your point that it's not just African Americans who uh, who who suffered this way. And over time, as we learn more about what this looks like in different communities, you're, you're going to see numbers that maybe exceed the percentages or the disproportionate percentages for African Americans. Native populations, I think, are uh, a very likely candidate. For uh, for that kind of dynamic, yeah, no doubt, Stephen. And uh, according to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, right now, uh, American Indian uh, populations there have been zero uh, cases reported. So uh, that could be a function of we're we're not reaching out to them mm-hmm. and actually monitoring. Uh, I bet you most people, most of our listeners don't even know that there are Indian reservations in the state of Michigan. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, so that could just be a function of us not of, of us not reaching them. The other thing, though, is, Steve, I got I got to say this. You know, first of all, I've got to applaud you for asking the governor the question about race. People are so uncomfortable even now talking about race. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and Hugh Perkins and Carolyn and uh, Devin Skillian were interviewing the governor last night, and none of them asked this question, you know, directly related to race. <clears throat> and so I applaud you for for taking the opportunity to to do that. Well, something we've been it's, talking it's really about, important. something we've been talking about a lot, not just on the program here, but I mean, you know, when you're talking to people right now, I mean, or if you're on Twitter right now you know i don't know how you i don't know how you miss this issue it's it's kind of everywhere and people are talking about exactly what you're talking about which is the 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 lack of uh response that you're seeing in certain parts of the community to this that that people are still behaving in ways that they did before we knew how deadly this disease was or how fast it could spread and and um you know i, I I I think there's no question that it's on the governor's mind, right? She Mm -hmm. knows about this. It's on the mayor's mind. He knows about this. Uh, The the, the question always is, what do we do about it? And how do we we make it better now? But also, how do we address these systemic issues uh, that are are underlying this once we get back to some sort of uh, normalcy? Kay, in in, uh, Grosio, I really do appreciate... uh, the call. Let's go to Mike in Wyandotte. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? It's Miles, uh, not Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. But, I, yeah. I read that I wrong. <laughs> go ahead, Miles. <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted to say about uh, how they're, you know, the social media uh, could be leading the way on uh, letting everybody know. Because if you notice, since we're talking about the black community, which I'm assuming means the uh, Exactly. What does that mean? The black community? Because in my community of Wyandotte, I have some black people that live here. Mm-hmm. Are they classified in this? Yeah, I mean, there are African Americans who live all over the state of Michigan. So, what about what about the uh, white people that live next to them? Are they now separated from that? Well, I mean, I think uh, the, the the question is is inspired, Miles, by the numbers, which suggest a disproportionate impact on African Americans because of the virus. In other words, that 35% of the cases are among African Americans. So it's not an effort to to divide anybody. It's a response to fact. It's a response to to information. Uh, And it's not to it's not to exclude uh, white people or poor people who don't happen to be African American. 
um, from from the conversation. And it is though to to try to address this directly and to to get at why why the disparate you know why the disparate numbers exist. Uh, so I, I apologize if you feel like you were left out or or somebody else was left out. That's not the intent. Uh, Miles, I do appreciate the call. Though let's go to Mark in Detroit. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Uh-huh. Um, I, I have an observation. This is something that's cutting across racial ethnic lines. Supermarkets go out to the parking lot. Okay, people in the store are wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. They're wearing masks. You go to the parking lot. The parking lots getting they're getting littered with gloves and masks. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's, there's just a personal individual responsibility that everybody has to, has to shoulder during this. And, and that's a real basic, real basic thing to ask people yeah. just to, there, there are garbage cans, trash cans nearby. Just put them away. Okay. You protected yourself. Now protect others. Yeah. I, I, uh, Mark, I absolutely agree. And I see those gloves and masks in the parking lots too. that's a public health issue in and of itself. I believe it's also a litter issue, but it gets back to this idea of what people know they're supposed to be doing and uh, are responding to it. Uh, Greg Bowens, uh, I'll give you the last word here. Well, I think that, uh, that, that, that it's really important to be able to, 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 to reach out, to the various communities right now, 40% of the, of all the people dying from this disease are African-American tomorrow. It could be 40% of all the people dying are, uh, people from the Chaldean community. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, we just don't really know. And so getting good at messaging to folks is really important and certainly continuing the message, the general message to, um, to, to, to everybody is really important as well. We just have to stop being scared to talk about race and stop being scared to really address the disparities in our healthcare system that is <laughs> that is that is contributing to this. Uh, you know, it's it if 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 folks don't realize by now that we need to revamp our healthcare system so that people can get the help that they need, yeah. like everybody then we're in, in serious trouble. And so, you know, look, Governor, you have a lot of things that you can do and that you are doing. You shouldn't have to do everything by yourself. But, you know, use the power of your office to lean on these companies, pay for these ads, send out these T-Mobile messages, put Dr. J out there as, uh, uh, as, as a voice to the black community about what's going on. You know, everybody up and down the pipeline, Brenda, La- Brenda Lawrence, mm-hmm. she could be instrumental in this uh, as well. We've got local stars and there are commercials out there. There are YouTube videos and stuff like that that are out there. What they need is money. We need to put money behind that to put that out there to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, we know how to organize for a political campaign. You know, we need to take that same kind of energy and start reaching people everywhere because Harper Woods, Gross Point Woods, uh, Southfield, pick your city where there are large concentrations of black folks, and uh, you'll see that the numbers are uh, disproportionately higher for us. This ain't just a Detroit thing. This is an everywhere, everybody thing. Right. Okay. Greg Bowens, always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for being with us. You too, brother. All right. We'll talk soon. Talk to you soon.
Up next, a conversation about the social implications of coronavirus. Is all this distancing going to put us into a social recession? We'll have a conversation about that next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.